Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. For the verdict. Now we'll talk all day if you want it. Objection. All right, settle, settle down, everybody. Settle, settle. With Nate Lucas on 590 The Fan. And we welcome you in to the verdict on this Thursday. What is today? November 9, 2023. Got a fun show for you. We will hear some audio from Eli Drinkwitz coming up here in the first segment. We will chat with Brandon Lang, who will get you ready for Thursday night football on Prime tonight. Boy, what a banger this one is. The Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears. Woo! Boy, NFL really giving us some treats on primetime games. Speaking of primetime games, the primetime games over the last two seasons, after including last Monday night, unders in the over-under total are 62-29 and 29 over the last two seasons. Unders in primetime games. Now keep in mind, the betting public almost exclusively goes over. And you're talking about a 62 and 29 clip run on unders in primetime games on the NFL. That is insane. When I saw that stat, that was just crazy to me. And I saw that from Stucky on Twitter, who's a good uh, gambling follow if you're a degenerate, so to speak. So 62 and 29, that's just crazy to me. Now, anytime that I see an NFL game in the 30s, which tonight's game, I think it's 38 in the uh, over-under for Carolina and, and the Bears. You know, I'm I'm almost ex- – I'm never betting a game under 38. I just think that, that for an NFL game, I've just never uh, believed in that philosophy. I don't have the data on me at hand to give you the numbers of when a game is under 38 in the NFL, but I guarantee you the majority of the time that thing is going over. But I, it's tonight's game – I mean, I lean Chicago right now. I think the Chicago pass rush, remember they got a couple of guys from um, in the, at the deadline, too, to sort of bolster that defensive line for the Bears. And Carolina's offensive line is a joke. And Bryce Young makes more stupid decisions. He threw the ball all over the place to Indianapolis defensive backs and the Panthers uh, lost last week to the Colts. So I think it could be a long day. And may, that's what scares me about the over. I just think it's going to be an ugly game. I mean, the Bears and the Panthers. Remember, this is a flex week, too. I don't know why in the world you can't get flex games in the National Football League for Week 10. Just terrible. So you got the Panthers and Bears tonight on Thursday Night Football. You have a 9-8-30 Central Time game between the Colts and Patriots on Sunday. That'll be played in Frankfurt, Germany. 
which I still don't get why the NFL is playing games in Germany. I mean, who gives a rat's ass? You think people care about football in Germany? Please, stop the nonsense. I don't think they do. Sunday night game, Jets and Raiders. So that'll be a real banger, too. I mean, the, the primetime games are just a joke in, in uh, for Week 10. And then Monday night football, the surging, yes, yeah, surging Denver Broncos, who had a bye last week. They beat the Chiefs in Week 8. Uh, they go to Orchard Park and will take on the Buffalo Bills, Denver getting seven and a half points in that game, which seems low. I feel like Buffalo has a lot to answer for, and this is usually one of those spots where Buffalo comes out and they look like world beaters. So I'll be intrigued to see what uh, our partner Brandon Lang has to say about some of these games and also some uh, college picks as well when we talk to him at 2.20 this afternoon. And then at 2.30, Dave McCarthy who hosts Sunday Brunch on Sirius XM NHL Radio. Does a great job. We've had him on from time to time. Uh, Dave's going to join us at 2.30. Blues and Coyotes tonight at the Enterprise Center. Blues wrapping up a four-game homestand. They won the first two. They dropped the game on Tuesday night to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Talked about that quite a bit uh, yesterday. And the Blues going to have to figure out how to play against a team that has some significant speed. And I looked up. The career numbers for uh, Clayton Keller against the Blues. 25 games played against the Blues. He's got 26 points in those 25 games. 11 goals, 15 assists, and he is a plus 12 on the ice for uh, the Coyotes, who have really had the Blues number. Now, they're going to go with Joel Hofer tonight in net. So he was in net earlier this year against uh, the Coyotes when the Coyotes beat the Blues at the Enterprise Center, 6-2. to two. And you better be careful with this Arizona team. They possess a ton of team speed, and they're just a dangerous team. Now, the reason why I think it be, could become a, a bit of a um, track meet tonight is because the Coyotes and Blues are both giving up more than 30 shots a game. Arizona right at about 32 shots against per game. The Blues at 33 shots against per game, which is just way too high. Blues only generating under 27 shots per game, Arizona at 29. But Arizona scores. I mean, Arizona's coming off a shootout win at home against Seattle. They've played at home three straight games. Winnipeg, they lost 5-3. to three. Montreal, they beat them 3-2, to two, and they fell in overtime. It was a very entertaining game between the Ducks and Coyotes. You're going to hear me talk about the Ducks and Coyotes quite a bit this season. I think they're going to win. Both of them are going to win their fair share of games. But right now, St. Louis is looking up at uh, Arizona in the Central Division. Colorado at 8 and 3, Dallas at 7-3 and 1, Winnipeg 6-4 and 2, Arizona 6-5 and 1, the Wild 5-5 and 2. Wild had an impressive victory on Tuesday against uh, the New York Islanders and the Blues at 5-5 and 1 with 11 points, just one better than Nashville and 3 points better than the Chicago Blackhawks who certainly get a lot of buzz because of Connor Bedard, but they're just not uh, they're not there yet. So the rebuild continues for the Chicago Blackhawks. Tennessee in Columbia on Saturday to take on the Missouri Tigers. And uh, I'm getting more and more concerned about this game from a Tigers perspective as we get closer to the kickoff. It'll be 2.30 on Saturday at Faroe Field. And uh, the Tigers, uh, a couple of things. One, the line of scrimmage is going to be very important in this game. Tennessee is number one in rushing offense, and they are number one in rushing defense. 
So they've got three guys on their roster. It's really a three-headed rushing attack if you take out uh, Milton, their quarterback, who also knows how to run the football. But they've got three guys on their depth chart that are all averaging more than five yards per carry, including their horseback, uh, uh, who's got almost seven and a half yards per carry. So that's concerning to me. All of this talk about the Missouri defense, I mean, I'm sorry. I just don't see it. They don't really generate a whole lot of turnovers. And to me, they're more of a bend-don't-break defense. So their red zone defense will be very important in a game that Vegas is expecting. Uh, They've got it at a point, point point-and-a-half, depending on where you get your lines. But uh, Tennessee favored by a point. And I don't really understand what justifies that line. Quite frankly, Missouri has been outscored uh, in the last two meetings against Tennessee by a huge number. Tennessee has hung 129 points on them over the last two years, and whether it's through the air or on the ground, they've just absolutely cut through the Missouri defense. So I am not one that is going to start believing that the Missouri defense is going to be something that has a say in this game. Now, maybe you get a big field, you know, you get a stop uh, when you need to, and you, you hold them to a field goal in the Missouri offense comes through with touchdowns, that'll be crucial. But I just I don't really understand why that line is so uh, so short, just a point for the Tennessee Vols. Um, Eli Drinkwitz, though, started his press conference earlier this week with an apology. And it's been talked about quite extensively, but Drinkwitz, who was throwing a fit at the end of the first half against the officials in the Georgia game, you know, he's, he's shown there, and he is just absolutely losing his mind over a couple of things. I mean, I'm not going to say that the Tigers didn't get screwed out of what I thought should have been a horse collar call when Cook uh, was brought down. Even though the guy didn't make the tackle with the horse collar, he initiated the tackle with the horse collar, and I think it was enough to draw an infraction. They got hosed on that, 15-yarder. And then um, I actually think – that uh, there, there was a missed face mask as well in the first half, which should have been a 15-yarder. But Drinkwitz was pissed off because they didn't stop the clock when a uh, play that looked like it finished out of bounds didn't stop the clock. They rolled the clock. It was under two minutes to go in the second quarter, and the defender who initiated the contact inbounds and the player, his forward progress was stopped. So outside of whether or not you look at the film and you say, well, he landed on the white paint out of bounds. Well, that's not really what the rule is. The rule is, is if the player's movement, if his forward progress is stopped and the contact is initiated in bounds, then it is the official's job to roll the clock. So the official did his job. And, and Drinkwitz standing over there on the sideline just going absolutely ballistic, he had two timeouts in his pocket. And instead of using a timeout, take a call, t- call a timeout, and then go go after the zebras. I don't understand why he let the clock run, and he's still berating the officials, and then he's complaining about the clock. It, none of it made sense to me. So Eli Drinkwitz started his press conference yesterday uh, by acknowledging that he was uh, apologizing for his behavior, which was just grotesque on the sideline, berating the official for actually getting the call right. And this was uh, how Eli opened up his uh, press conference yesterday. Also, after watching film, I'd like to take a few minutes to apologize for my sideline behavior and demeanor uh, during the course of the game. You know, on Saturday's contest, uh, there was a few moments where I I let the frustrations boil over. uh, And obviously, after reviewing the film, 
clearly had inappropriate language that was not reflective of, of my character, and I need to be better. So I need to apologize first to my family and my daughters for setting a poor example uh, to our fans um, who expect more out of me and I expect out of myself and to the officials, too, um, for being out of character. You know, I need to be better, will be better, and expect to be more under control and collected and be able to control my emotions in the heat of the battle. Now, I genuinely wonder if he was told he needed to issue an apology for what everyone watched on television. I genuinely do wonder, and it wouldn't shock me whatsoever if the athletic department came to him and said, yeah, we need you to issue a public statement on that. It wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, you watch college football or the NFL sidelines every single week, you see these type of of, uh, explosions almost in every game. And I don't hear a whole lot of coaches coming out and saying, you know, I apologize for my demeanor and my behavior. That was inappropriate. What he should be apologizing for is not taking a timeout. Losing his losing his cool in the moment and not calling a timeout cost his team an opportunity to get crucial points at the end of the first half against Georgia, which ultimately came back and bit you because even with the pick, you know, the pick that Brady threw, um, even if you had those three points, it would have been a six point game and you would have had the football with a chance to score a touchdown and take the lead. Instead, you just let the clock run for some ungodly reason. If you were so upset that the clock was running to the point where you had to berate the official up, I mean, you just chewed his ass out, why not just call timeout? You had two of them. And so then on third down, he runs the ball and essentially signals the end of the first half. I mean, waving the white flag. I think very lame. So that's, uh, that is part one. Now, I think uh, we might have Brandon Lang on with us right now. So, uh, Brandon, appreciate you calling in. Uh, I was just uh, talking about Eli Drinkwitz, who had to apologize for his sideline behavior in the game against Georgia on Saturday. And uh, I thought to myself, I don't know why he's apologizing for you know, his behavior. He should have been apologizing for not using one of his two timeouts that he had to try to get points against a Georgia team that was a 16-point favorite. It, I, I don't understand these coaches, why they don't uh, utilize their timeouts. You can't, they don't carry over to the second half. One of the greatest stories I tell is I was on a plane flight from Jacksonville back to L.A., stopping in Houston, and the officiating crew that did the Jags-Falcons game that day was on my flight. And who sits down in the same row as me with the seat between us open but referee Bill Vinovich? And he sits down, and I know who he is, and I said, hey, I was at the game today. You guys did a great job. He says, thanks. And um, I said, listen, I'm just a huge football fan. And I'm a handicapper, so I'm a huge football fan, and, and I just love football, and I'd love to just pick your brain about the game and the way you see it, but I know you're tired, and if you don't feel like talking, I understand. And he goes, no. He says, let me get, let me get up and get some stuff done, and um, we'll talk. So once we got up in the air, and he goes, uh, you going to Houston? I go, I'm going to L.A. I, and then Terry Collins' names came up. He used to be the manager of the Mets, and Terry's known me since I was 12, and Bill's good friends with him. So once I connected Terry Collins to us, his guard came down. And I will tell you, for the next hour, we talked about every single possible thing you can think of. We talked about they need an extra official, but there's no place to put him. We talked about the speed of the game. We talked about um, what coaches do wrong. And I said, what's the biggest mistake you see? 
And I couldn't get that out of my mouth fast enough. And he said, clock management. He says, these guys don't know how to manage the clock. We'll be sitting there as a crew saying to ourselves, what are they doing? Like, what are they doing? He says, it's amazing to me that these staffs don't hire a guy that his only job is to manage the clock for them. That's it. Coach, time out, time out. Take it right now. Take it right now. He says, it's mind blowing to us. He says, it just is. We talked about the fact that if you're found out to have gambled or been in a casino, having just played blackjack, you can't, you can't, you can't get the job. The background check is so extensive. Um, it was crazy, bro. It was probably arguably one of the top three greatest conversations I ever had with someone in my life. He had a disc of every penalty that was called that day and he watches the disc. And then on Monday morning, they have a meeting with the league office and for every call they make that was wrong. They get a point Whether it's the headlinesman, him, the back judge, whoever makes the call, you get a point. And at the end of the year, the crew, each, each position of the crew that has the least amount of points gets the Super Bowl. And I said, for the Seattle Super Bowl, how many points did you have? He said 11. So for, for 17 weeks, he only missed 11 calls for the year. We talked about what was going on when Russell Wilson threw the pick. And uh, we talked about, does he get to watch the game? And he said, no. He said, if it's a running play, I look at the right guard to see if he's holding. He says, if it's a pass play, he goes, I look at the left tackle to see if he's holding. When the pass is thrown, I look to the quarterback to see if there's a personal foul. If there's not, the play's over. Now we're resetting and get to the next play. He said, it's all game long. He said, I don't get to watch the game. I'm like, well, it's just, it was fascinating. But again, going back to what your lead in was clock management. It's mind blowing college and pro how bad these coaches are in managing the clock. These coaches and programs hire guys to monitor everything from, you know, what a guy's eating to how many uh, deuces he takes in a day. And yet they don't put any emphasis on getting help with clock management. It is mind boggling to me how often they, they blow this thing up. And quite frankly, Drinkwitz got away with something earlier this season when they played Kentucky and they took a delay a game penalty at the end of the, you know, regulation where it forced uh, their field goal kicker to drop back five more yards and hit a 61-yarder. Now he made it, but it's just like, are you, what is that? Oh, God, it's maddening, I'll tell you. Yep. Judge absolutely crazy. So, and, yeah, it drives me crazy, so, and I see it all the time. Great story, too. I, I, Vinovich, uh, I have to say, I like when his crew is doing a game because you yep. know that they're going to eat a lot of, of flags. I will always take a crew – that is willing to eat a few flags more than the ones you know that throw the canaries all over the field. Uh, Vinovich is a good ref. Yep, absolutely is. All right, let's uh, let's talk about a few games. Uh, do you have any feel on tonight's game? I mean, it really, what a dud! Panthers and, and Bears Thursday night football. What do you like? I'll watch Housewives of Mobile, Alabama mm. before I tune in this game tonight. Boy, do they have to watch it? Couldn't care about it. They don't have Mobile, Alabama. I'm just saying for a reference. I'll watch. I'll watch. Listen, I'll watch the Kardashians, who I absolutely can't stand, before I tune into this game tonight. I mean, seriously, it's it's it's. I'll be over in the college ranks watching Southern Miss and Louisiana before I watch that NFL game today. I don't know who paid whatever amount of money for these Thursday night games, but they suck. They absolutely suck. They're horrible. No marquee games. Uh, Bezo and Amazon paying what they paid. Yeah, waste that money, Bezo. Waste that money, baby. Listen, the pregame people are horrible. Um, it's just it's just a bad product all over. 
It really is. I saw this stat, though, in the NFL the last two seasons. Unders are hitting, uh, they're 62-29 and 29 in primetime games over the last two seasons. So how much of that is the market adjusting to what the public will usually bet, which is the over in primetime games? You just you almost feel like there's always going to be a huge explosion of points, but 62-29 and 29 the last two years. Yeah, it's a little bit of that. The short week. I'm telling you, the short week, these guys just having to turn right around. The physicality of the game itself is just it's too much. It's just too much. And so I didn't listen, I had I had a, I was aware that the unders were coming in, but no way in hell did I think that number was what you just told me. Holy mackerel, that's a number. Jesus. And that's something. Yeah, I was shocked by that too. That's an outrageous uh uh it's outrageous to me. I'll, Period. Um, all right, let's look at uh, the college slate. Uh, Missouri has Tennessee at home, and uh, Josh Heupel has run up the score the last two seasons against Eli Drinkwitz. They've posted 60-plus. They're the number one rush offense, the number one rush defense. And I don't. I, 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 the more and more I look into this, I'm not quite sure how Missouri's going to pull it off. No, I think it's a, it's a tremendous flat spot for Missouri. Um, it just is coming off Georgia where they were very competitive and then they have to come back home and get up and listen, Tennessee went into Bama, had them beat and just let a few possessions in the second half get away. Um, you know, from a scheme standpoint and a matchup standpoint, I just don't think Missouri matches up with Tennessee. I'm going to take Tennessee minus a small number. I like that as well. Um, Looking at a Pac-12 game here, Utah on the road getting nine against Washington. That running back for Washington looked like a beast in their dominance over USC, but Utah's defense is kind of a little bit different story. Any chance uh, you like the Utes on Saturday? Yeah, I do, as a matter of fact. Good matchup for them. This Washington defense is struggling. I mean, they're struggling really, really bad. I watched the Stanford game, and Stanford, who's just atrocious, went up and down the field on them. And I was like, wow, this team's got some issues. This team's got some big-time issues defensively. Offensively, they're great, but they got some, some problems on the defensive end. And then you look at this, this Utah team, 9-1 against the spread in their last 10 games as a road dog of 10 or fewer. Um, after playing USC traditionally, it takes a lot out of Washington. 0-12 against the spread after that game of playing USC. Let me say it again. Last 12 games after playing USC – Washington 0-12 against the spread. Give me the Utes, baby. Give me the Utes. All right. What else is on your radar for Saturday? I got four juicy dogs. Rutgers going into Iowa. Listen, Rutgers held Ohio State to 180 yards less than their average on offense. They led 7-6 at the half. They outplayed Ohio State. They outgained Ohio State, and they just let it slip away in the second half. They're at Iowa, who just is just living on borrowed time. I think Rutgers goes in there and gets the win. Nebraska, a nice juicy home dog against Maryland. Maryland owned four straight up and against the spread their last four. Watch UCF give Oklahoma State fits at uh, down in Orlando. And listen, I had my biggest play of the year on Colorado last Saturday and watched them put up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to get the cover. I watched them put up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to get the cover against USC. You have Arizona coming off three straight wins over top 25 opponents. And now going down the road as a double-digit favorite, you watch Prime get it done with Colorado plus the 10.5 over Arizona. How, real quick on the Rutgers-Iowa game, over under a 28. I mean, I get it. Iowa is pathetic. The fact you know that they're even in the discussion, what are they, 7-2 and two or something like that? 
Listen, they just lost to Minnesota 12-10 at home. And this is the lowest posted total in gambling history in college football. The lowest posted total in gambling history in college football at 29. (laughs) What a game. If there's a game worse than tonight's Thursday night, it might be the Rutgers-Iowa game. But, you know, hey, if Rutgers wins, who cares? It's all money, baby. All right, let's look at uh, Sunday. Um, I, you know, I, I this Detroit L.A. Chargers game is intriguing to me, uh, and I, I could see this becoming a shootout. But w- what do you like? I, it's like Detroit at Baltimore. Um, that was the least amount of points Detroit was getting as a road dog against a team from the AFC North in 20 years. They failed miserably. This is the first time Detroit's been a road favorite. Um, against an AFC West opponent in over 20 years. When you start taking teams that aren't used to laying numbers in situations, you go against it. Um, the Chargers are a bad matchup for the Lions. I really, I really believe that. And I believe you take the Chargers plus three and sit back and watch this thing be a field goal game. I buy the half point, take the Chargers plus three and a half. And, and uh, I like the home dog there with L.A. All right, what else? Week 10 in the National Football League is on your docket. Dallas went into New York first game of the year. Daniel Jones beat him 40 nothing. Now they're back home laying 17. Sometimes you take the number and throw it out the window. They just beat the Rams 42-23, putting up 40. Now you think Tommy DeVito is going to go into Dallas against this Dallas defense and put up 14? Uh, he's going to cover this number? I think, listen, sometimes you look at the number, throw it out the window and ask yourself, what's the final score? 30 to 3, 30 to 6, 27 6. Dallas is going to cover that 17. You, you watch. Dallas is going to cover that 17 all day long. And last but not least, great win for Minnesota. Great emotional win for Minnesota with Dobbs and this, that, and the other thing. You watch the Saints go up there and get it done over Minnesota. Um, and, and the Vikings with that backup quarterback, Dobbs, coming down to earth. And last but not least, Cleveland plus the points over Baltimore. The Cleveland Browns, Deshaun Watson, 11-2-1 against the spread. In the next game as a dog, if he was favored by three points in his previous game, 11-2-1. Take the Browns plus the points over the Ravens. All right. Got and hey, in an NFC North game, if you're getting close to a touchdown, yep. I you're mean, exactly right. sign me up. Yep, you're exactly right. All right, Brandon Lang, you can catch his stuff, Believe Network. Uh, always uh, appreciate his work uh, with Cam Rogers, and um, you are, uh, you're on fire. So let's keep that ball rolling here into Week 10 and uh, the college football slate as well, my friend. Thanks, bud. All right, Brandon Lang joining us here on The Verdict. So just to recap, uh, Tennessee, slight, uh, slight wager there. Utah, I'm with him on Utah. In fact, I almost like Utah to just win that game outright against Washington. You talk about a let-me-down. Washington coming back against Utah. I'm thinking the Utes are going to have something to say about that. And then Rutgers, Nebraska, UCF, and Colorado in the college football slate. And in the NFL, um, Dallas minus the 17. The Saints minus three on the road against Minnesota. And the Browns on the road getting six and a half in Baltimore playing the Ravens. I think I like all of those as well. I think the Dallas Cowboys, who absolutely um, 
let's just say I was coming to trying to find he they peed one away. How about that? Is that PC enough? They peed one away against the um Philadelphia Eagles last week. My goodness, Dak Prescott. I mean, you talk about clock management. Like, what was Dallas doing on their final drive? And I was fine with it because I had uh, Philadelphia minus the points, and so it all worked out in my favor. But my goodness, I mean, Dallas, if you're sitting up there, if you're Jerry Jones watching the product on the field at that point, and you're thinking, wow, imagine this being a drive at the end of the Super Bowl, and you need Dak Prescott to come through. Just, nope can't do it, and Philly wins that game, Mm. and uh, Philly came back in the second half of that game, just all really, really typical, I suppose, of a Mike McCarthy coach team to not be able to close the deal when it matters most, and Dak looked like he had no interest in uh, being the hero in that game, but then what does Dallas always do? They come back in that next week, and I could very easily, they could beat uh, New York 40 to nothing again, just like they did in the opener up in the meadow at the uh, in the Meadowlands, but uh, back home in Jerry's world, I think Cowboys, that defense going to give Dan, Mr. DeVito, Tommy DeVito, everything he can handle on Sunday. All right, uh, rocking and rolling here on a, what is it, a Thursday edition of The Verdict. When we come back, we'll talk a little hockey with Dave McCarthy from Sirius XM, get his thoughts on the Blues, Yotes, and some other happenings around the National Hockey League. Stay with us. This is The Verdict on 590 The Fan. Hello, FCS football fans. This is Kevin. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.